The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you are one of the ten lepers, how do you deal with that? You've been diagnosed with a disease that's killing you, and it's so terribly contagious and deadly that the law requires you to be exiled outside of the village. If anyone draws near, you have to shout, unclean, unclean, to keep them away. In this case, you're not the only one. You're with nine other lonely, exiled dying men. So how do you deal with that? You could tell yourself that it could be worse, and that's true. However, in the course of this disease, it will keep getting worse, so you're really only saying, I'm not as bad today as I'm going to be tomorrow. But at least I suppose tomorrow is still better than the day after that will be. I don't know about you, but I don't find that that comforting. You could tell yourself to look on the bright side that you need to dwell on the good things in life rather than fixate on the bad. This counsel is good and true for your sanity, but the reason you have to work at focusing on the good is because the bad is really bad and it's easy to get stuck on because it looks like the bad is going to win. A leper who looks on the bright side is still a leper. You could make that one less psychological and more religious, telling yourself that you need to be thankful since being thankful implies that there's someone to thank. That one can be tricky if you're trying to thank God while your body is falling to pieces and he's not intervening to heal. But on the other hand, you're still alive to be thankful because he's sustaining the life that you have. Maybe none of these positive outlooks work. That leaves the negative ones like, oh, denial, panic, anger. There are pros and cons to these. On the con side, nobody wants to hang out with angry and panicked people. On the pro side, I guess, being angry or panicked doesn't take much work. It just happens. So what do you do? if you are one of those lepers. 
And alas, it's more than just a mental exercise. There's a reason why leprosy is so symbolic of the sinful nature, what with its killing corruption and isolation. Unless you're in total denial, you're already dealing with these questions at some level every day, all the time. How are you, a sinner, going to live each day? And how are you going to face the end of days? You may not have come to church tonight for one of those festive, happy Thanksgiving, you're going to die sermons, so I don't want to linger here too long. Even though the holidays sometimes only magnify pain because they're supposed to be happy, but they're not. Even if you're not troubled by some grief or loss or anxiety, and you're set to have a great day tomorrow, you will still confess your mortality tomorrow every time you calculate what else you can eat without causing a cardiac event. At any rate, we'd best move on to what happens in our text. The lepers can do nothing, but God can. His plan to heal them is really quite elaborate. Before they're even sick, God sends his son to become flesh, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The son, Jesus, then spends 30 years or so living a fully human life growing up into manhood. On his way to Jerusalem, he just happens to pass by this village on the border of Samaria and Galilee, and word has gotten around about his teaching and his miracles. Even the lepers have heard about him. Instead of following the law and shouting unclean to make him stay away, they trust the word they've heard about Jesus, and they summon him, shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus draws near, And Jesus has mercy. I love this miracle for a couple of reasons. One is because when Jesus draws near to the lepers, the natural effect would be, should be, that he'd contract their illness and then you'd have 11 lepers. Instead, as he takes their disease into himself, they contract his health. The second reason is because the words are indirect. We don't hear Jesus say, leprosy be gone, but go and show yourselves to the priests. The only reason that lepers would show themselves to the priests is if they believed that they were healed because the priests were the ones who would pronounce them cleansed. In this case, the priests will pronounce them cleansed because Jesus, the eternal high priest, has already cleansed them. You've got to admit that this is a beautiful example of faith. Instead of rejecting the good news they've heard and just say, we'll make the best of our lives, they trust that God has come to save them. Instead of raging at the Lord because he didn't prevent them from becoming lepers in the first place, they look to him as the one who can heal them. As obvious as it sounds, this doesn't happen naturally. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, remember, and there a lot of people will say, we'll just make the best of our lives without him. And a lot of people declare him unclean and angrily cry out, away with him, and so he will be put to death. You've also got to admit that it's a beautiful example of God's extravagant grace and mercy. 
Jesus makes his way on his human feet past his village to heal these men. And even when nine of them fail to stop and thank him, he leaves them healed anyway. And this does happen naturally because Jesus is, by nature, merciful. In fact, when the crowds in Jerusalem ensure that he's crucified, he prays for their forgiveness. He dies for their sins. On to you then. If you're familiar with the satirical website, the Babylon Bee, it recently ran a headline that said something like, What has God done for me lately? asks man who is breathing. Indeed, you breathe because God sustains your breath while he's busy maintaining your body and soul, eyes, ears, and all your members, your reason, and all your senses. And all the while, he's busy giving you clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, land and animals, and all that you have as he daily and richly provides you with all that you need for this body and life. Indeed, you have much to be thankful for, even if life is rather difficult at the moment. Being thankful is a good thing, too. It goes along with contentment satisfaction, and peace of mind. So even if you're only into it for your personal mental health, it's better to be thankful than not. So how come we have to set aside a day each year and designate it as a day for giving thanks? I mean, other than the obvious ulterior motive that we have an excuse to eat stuffing soaked in gravy like there's no tomorrow. There are a host of sins that war against thankfulness. Pride says both, I deserve more than God has given me, and anyway, I don't need to thank him because I've earned it all myself. Covetousness says, I don't have time to be thankful because I'm too busy wanting what I don't have. Worry says, with the troubles that I face, with so much bad to outweigh the good, what do I have to be thankful for? See, sin and thanklessness go together. You really ought to be more thankful. That's true. It's also law. In other words, if you know you need to be more thankful, then you might move beyond that to say, each day I'm going to find five things to thank God for, or each night I'm going to fall asleep reviewing my day and thanking God for all of his blessings. Both of those are great exercises, great ideas, but neither of those are the solution to ingratitude. See, if sin is the root of thanklessness, then the cure is repentance and forgiveness. The reason the lepers show up as the gospel reading every Thanksgiving is not so you can say, I should be thankful because things could be worse and I could have leprosy. They show up every Thanksgiving because you are them and they are you. I mentioned before that leprosy is a disease symbolic of sin. It's a disease of corruption that slowly turns the body to rot. And unlike many other diseases in the Old Testament, it doesn't just make you sick, it also makes you unclean before God. What leprosy does to the body 
the corruption of sin is doing to your body and mind and soul. It may not be as evident as a hand filled with decay, or it may be more evident than that in other ways. But whether or not you feel it, you live by faith and trust the word that it is destroying you eternally. You can say it could be worse, and that's true. And it will get worse in that case. You could look on the bright side, but that'll dim. You could despair or get angry, but that doesn't help. An angry sinner who's looking on the bright side is still a sinner. Knowing this, you do what the lepers did. Knowing your sins and the corruption of your sinfulness and your helplessness, you cry to the Lord for mercy. He hears, and behold what he does. He doesn't stay on high and say, You know, I didn't get a thank you card after Christmas last year, so I'm not sending you a gift this time. No, knowing your need, he visits. He draws near you by his word. And where he told the lepers, Go, show yourselves to the priests, he says to you, I am the high priest because I was a sacrifice for your sin. And here and now, I declare you clean. He visits you in his supper. And remember that the lepers caught his health. Tomorrow, as you eat your feast, that food will become more like you. It will become part of you. You will add it into yourself. But at this holy supper tonight, the Lord gives you his body and blood to make you more like him, holy and righteous. He joins you to himself so that you might have life and salvation. I know I've mentioned death a lot in this sermon, but what a way this is to live. The Lord who gives all good things gives you forgiveness and life in abundance. Where he blesses you with abundance for this life, thanks be to God. Where he permits trial and trouble, thanks be to God that he is using that for your good as well. Give thanks for his grace, and by his grace give thanks. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Sing praise to him as long as you live. For in him you have your being, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.